We're getting a symphony of one going at the front. The second one's thinking about parking more, but he's also very tired and on the sofa. Um, Welcome to an ACC podcast where I am getting in the habit of going on one person's podcast and then having them on my own podcast later in the week. (laughs) 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 I'm Lauren Brownlow, um, as usual, and I was on Caroline Darney's podcast with Streaking the Lawn, and she's going to come on mine. And it's teamwork. <laughs> yeah, it makes the dream work, you guys. It really does. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, but we we're going to hop around and talk about a bunch of stuff because obviously, like, we don't have a ton of sports to discuss. So I did. The first thing I wanted to get into was I think this happened before last week's podcast, but Dabo. Oh gosh. Dabo's TikTok. I'm I think I'm gonna leave if if Nada, my wonderful producer, wants to play said TikTok here. I'm assuming we can do that. There's no copyright issues or anything. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um of his hickory dickory doc where he basically um, morphed into Kenny from Can't Hardly Wait. For a brief <laughs> Good reference. I like that. Well, I had actually just seen the, literally I had seen the movie the day before when I saw this TikTok. And I was like, <laughs> and he was like, hickory dickory duck. I was like, oh, Kenny. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, that was, um, I'm not sure what that was about. I, I, you know, I guess if you give D- Dabo too much time, on his hands. <laughs> yeah, look, a lot of people are going a little, myself included, going a little like haywire and this whole, you know, the quote unquote, my favorite, unprecedented times. Like, um, Ooh, but my, I like that one better than uncertain times. I do too. Unprecedented is my favorite one. My sister and I are always back and forth saying that to each other. Now we're like, in these unprecedented times, I think you should make me eggs. Um, and <laughs> it's all very like, you know, I, I forget what I was. I, you know, I'm laughing at every TikTok, every silly thing that comes across. And, you know, more and more people are home with their families and, you know, kids or their kids are like, hey, get on a TikTok with me or whatever. It Was it his account? Did he create an account for this? I think so. That was his uh, like TikTok. first. That was his debut. debut. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a combination of Kenny from Can't Hardly Wait and then the Steve Shimmy meme of like, how do you do, fellow kids? Yes. I want, I'm, I'm even being too generous by being like, it had some potential. Like, I just, the rhyming was so weird. And it was just so, but at the same time, it had this like unbelievably big dad energy, which I kind of appreciate. Like, you know, that the players, you know, current and former players were like, coach, like laughing though, you know, like, I'm sure this personality comes out when he coaches or when he's on the side, you know, like when not during games, sorry, not on the sideline. Sorry, Clemson fans, please don't yell at me. He's serious and he's a good coach. He's a great coach. Don't, none of us are saying that. Um, but my gosh, with the gloves on and like, I want to know who filmed it. Like, I want to know if it was like um, his wife or something. And she's like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just have so many questions. 
<laughs> yeah, and like, what's this inspired by? I mean, yeah. <laughs> who is his views here? Who's the is target it, audience? <laughs> is right. Like, how does is that how he talks? Like in front of his team? I don't know. Now I just want to know so much more about like halftime yeah. speeches. I'm going to hit up like Eric McLean from ACC Network and be like, you he need does, to tell he, me. Yeah, because is- he doesn't talk like that like in interviews. It's not like he's out there like. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, I just, oh man. You. Who Thank do you, you think would have the best TikTok account as an ACC football coach? Oh, gosh. That's a great question. I, and, and okay. And speaking of like coaches on social media, because here's the thing, Mac Brown has a Twitter account, right? Yeah. And I've seen him occasionally like favorite some of my tweets and I was always kind of like, huh, okay. <laughs> and then I've been rewatching the wire and I tweeted out um, that I had forgotten that Avon finger wagged uh, Daniels. <laughs> yeah. one at, like, and I tweeted this out at like midnight. <laughs> and i see the next morning that like later than that even mac brown favorited my tweet and i'm like there is a zero percent chance mac brown is running this account zero <laughs> see that to me would make me feel like he was doing it more like what mac brown There's up no- worried about the season how it's going to progress working on some things peruses twitter and is like, and he's like oh, oh man, yeah i, I love, love that show Avon. i love <laughs> Avon can you wave daniels i've watched yeah. no because that like if you were running his account do you think that's just the accident of the person not switching the account back to their personal account like do you know do, yeah, do I, you know the like, person no i don't know the person whoever but i did run it no oh, this I is the new investigation it. does mac brown run his own twitter account no i would believe me i would love it more if it were him <laughs> but i was like no there is a zero percent chance and i actually like screen grabbed the favorite and i, I texted it to some of our friends like jim young and, <laughs> and twain and joe obvious and i was like there's no chance that that was Matt. they were like no zero percent i was That's like amazing. yeah broncos, i mean those broncos is so wholesome like it's very like he tweets out nice things, you know, quote tweets things about the team, you know, his players that do things well. And then he'll like, anytime they're in this big, like recruiting boon this past few weeks where he's now a big fan of like, he'll tweet out like a, basically the bat signal with the Virginia logo. So that's like everyone's call that they're getting another like recruit. And that's about it right now. Just some like, Hey, my team, I like you, Charles Snowden. Great job on this. And then, Hey, we're getting a recruit without saying we're getting a recruit. Like those are the only things that he's really tweeting about. I mean, I guess I'd be kind of fascinated by like a Jeff Collins TikTok because oh, I feel God. like it would just be nothing but him listening to Outcasts and like pointing to the words AT or like letters ATL or something. Yeah. Did you see that like coaches roundtable they had on ACC Network? No. Where like everybody had you know some people had their school's background or whatever and he had like a big atl i can't deal uh man was he was he wearing a tight short sleeve shirt with a vest over it he was wearing like to know if he ever has anything else (laughs) he was wearing like a flat brimmed hat and i was like dude i Uh, bet leonard hamilton though would have a really like fire tiktok presence Yes, I would love he's been singing lately and like he sang with Wes. did you see that ig live they did no, but I did. I did oh, see beautiful. that he was swimming. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is the thing. Like this quarantine is dunk. <laughs> like I miss sports. I miss the end of basketball. Like I miss you know having the certainty that you know players and coaches are going to show back up on college campuses in the next few weeks. Whatever. 
the only like bright side for me has been some of this like from home content and a little bit of like just a glimpse into who some of these coaches are because we don't always get that I think um and and it's it varies in a few ways like you know what we said Leonard Hamilton at home and I like seeing everyone's backgrounds or like you know depending on who they are where they are like what kind of space they have it varies obviously like yesterday I talked to the Virginia lacrosse coach Lars Tiffany and he had like a fancy IMLCA background like because he did like a chalkboard talk uh, whiteboard talk I guess is more um up to date um over zoom with like Paul Cargaterra and Mike Golick Jr., which is really cool. Um, but so he has like, but he's in his garage. Like he set up a garage office. So like he's out there. Leonard Hamilton had this like really rich, like library background. David Cutcliffe looks like he's in like a villain's lair with his like Duke helmets and like his big goatee now. I don't know if you've seen, did you see that picture of him and his yes. office? <laughs> yes. Like this is the stuff I love. Like when they kind of are like home for a bit and like, Coach Mendenhall's gone like full surfer mode. Like he's got his like renegade. I don't know, like all these brands I don't really recognize that are more like West Coast brands with like flat brim hats and like cool looking t shirts and like there's a surfboard in the background that decorates his office like, at home that you never see. Cutcliffe um, actually choreographed a TikTok for his grandkids early oh my in God, the that's day. adorable. <laughs> he, so I wonderful. Him. I know he's so I swear great. To God, I want to hang out with him. Like he just he seems like a, like he has really cool stories. And honestly, I feel oh. the way about Mac Brown too. Like just like oh, we're actually like Roy Williams and Cutcliffe. Like let's go Roy, for a nice Roy brunch. <laughs> a nice brunch. Roy and Cut are having like the beard off right now, and I think mm-hmm. Dave Dorsey is growing one. Um, the yeah, question is, so do you like, think anyone would keep one? Well, every like people here are literally begging Roy to keep it, and apparently his grandkids love it. Oh my god, um, I can't! And when I think of them with their grandkids, it's like the cutest thing. I can't handle it. Well, he said his grandkids. He's like, I have a hard time saying no to them, especially when I can't see them. <laughs> and he said, but they also asked me to do a mohawk, and I said no to that. <laughs> just I need like we all need to email those kids and be like, just ask a few more times. Make but we're it extra. all. <laughs> We're all telling Roy, like, anytime anybody around here gets him, you know, we're all like, keep the beard, dude. It looks good. Yeah. Well, it they did. You. They did a, um, and this is the thing I like, too, is with everybody having more time, um, unfortunately, again, like, all of this is an, the only positive side effect of a negative situation, I think, is, uh, so you had the uh, ACC has been doing, like, watch parties or, or different things, like, reshowing older games and stuff. And that's kind of, like, yeah. some of these are awesome, like, I haven't seen before. Some are fun to rewatch because they're exciting games. And Wednesday, they did a watch party of the 2014 ACC title game between Duke and Virginia, which is the first one Virginia won in 37 years, like, it was this crazy back and forth, really good game with a Duke team that had, you know, um, Jabari Parker and Suleiman. Um, I think you, yeah. Quinn cook would be on that team, right? 2014. Yes. yes. Um, and then that, you know, that's a team that had Brogdon Harris first year, London Perantes, like, and so they brought back, um, they had Joe Harris, Akil Mitchell and London Perantes, um, on like a hosted like chat <laughs> that was led by one of the assistant coaches, Johnny Carpenter, who does like analytics and video stuff for them. Um, and they just watched the game and chatted about it. And like <laughs> London Perantes, they showed Jamie Lucky and London's like, man, get that guy out of here. <laughs> like, it's funny that like even six years later, the players are like that rough. I didn't like him or whatever. 
Um, but then like Tony Bennett dropped in like right before halftime and it was like full dad, Tony Bennett. He was in a hoodie, like his earbuds in like his glasses at home. He's sitting on and he's like giving Johnny crap for being in his office. Like, I bet you have your feet up on my desk, like this whole thing. And it was just like real. And Justin Anderson dropped in for the second half. Like it was just like really cool. And those are things that we don't get during the season or when there's other stuff like they're all super busy all the time like you know nba season would be going on so none of those things would happen but um it was just hilarious and such a cool insight that's i think we're getting more insight to players and coaches because of this forced downtime um so again like very slim silver lining to a dark dark cloud yeah i've been i've enjoyed and we've gotten you know it, it was funny when i went on felder's podcast last week michael felder came on mine as well but he asked me like hey doggy he asked me he asked me like how i've been dealing with like you know working through this and everything else and i was like in a weird way the zoom thing actually has made it a little easier for me because i can hop on a press conference without having to like drive to chapel hill or drive to durham or drive to raleigh or whatever it is and that has made it way easier for me yeah and i wonder i wonder how much is like you know like i said we did a, a we did a call with bronco yesterday um I wonder how much they keep. Obviously, there's a benefit to in-person stuff. There is for media. Like, you build a rapport with the team, with the coaches. Um, but sometimes I think this could be a great fix for, like, a midweek type of thing. Because, like you yes. said, like, it cuts out driving. It cuts out just that back and forth time. And it cuts out redundant questions. And honestly, it's like, that part's not bad either. Sadly, <laughs> like, it's not. But it's fine. <laughs> oh, no, so it's, you guys have been doing yeah. it differently, I think. We do it, like... Um, the, someone will facilitate the meeting and there's a Q&A box. And so when a bunch of people ask the same type of question, they just consolidate it and turn that into one question or, you know, take out ones that have already been asked. And so it's not, you know, we don't have any like talk over issues or anyone muting other people, you know, not muting themselves. Like, so it's been interesting, I think. Yeah, it, it's definitely been interesting. And I mean, I think it, it's, you know, for me too, like, I just, I have enjoyed that. We actually had, Dre Bly on recently, who Lord knows I grew up watching play, um, made me feel old, but, um, and it just got me to thinking about, I got asked this question, um, for a mailbag that I do for WRLSportsFan.com. And I was asked what was the more impressive feat, I guess. And I think that Keith, cause this is Keith from card Chronicle who asked me, I think what he meant was Scott Satterfield's record last year. What was more impressive, Scott Satterfield's record last year or Mac Brown's recruiting class now in 2021? Currently, 24-7 has them number four. I think they were number two a few weeks ago, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, even if it ended up 10, it would still yeah. be Carolina's tied for Carolina's best class since 24-7's been tracking. Wow. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Like then, 10 was not surprisingly a Butch Davis class. Yeah, that's such a great, interesting question. Like, Satterfield, you look and you dig into it. I think I'm going to go the recruiting, though. I think I, I'm gonna go I, I recruiting. Ended up that too. Yeah. Because I, that I, was it, so fast, I feel like. Well, and it's it's yes and no, right? Because technically, if 2021 will be his third class. Um, oh, wow. Really? Yeah, because 2019 was his first. But, I mean, obviously, he didn't have a ton of time to make that class great. I think it was like 30-ish. Um, and then last year's class was 18 and this one is obviously way higher. So I think for me, yeah. And when we had Dre Bly on that zoom, what was interesting to me is we talked to him about their recruiting and whatever. 
And he was saying that basically from day one, Mac was like, look, we, and he made a priority of hiring guys that had in-state connections like Dre, because Dre doesn't have a lot of coaching experience. Like people don't know that, but he just doesn't. He, he, he's had a few internships and that's it. Yeah. But, but he's got really strong connections in the Charlotte area with Charlotte high schools. Mm -hmm. And that's a big, a big deal. And then they've got um, Tommy Figpen back on their staff who has a ton of connections around here. And there's an assistant that I'm forgetting. I know that there is, but uh, there's, there's at least one or two others that have recruited this area and know it really well. And then, but the other thing Max said was like, he wanted them to go to every single high school in North Carolina, no matter what, like no matter if they have players or not. And just like introduce themselves and like make it known that like, Hey, we care about you. And Dre said that there were schools that were saying they hadn't seen a Carolina person in like five or six years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, there's so much talent. Like there's a bunch of really interesting stuff that's written about, like, you know, we know the obvious hotbeds, especially with Florida. Um, like you got to be able to recruit the Florida area pretty well. Um, but there are places like you, you got to, I think you got to win your own state, you know, like they talk about that a lot. It's a thing that um, Virginia is dealing with. And I think, you know, that's been a big point of pride for the Mendenhall era guys coming in. I mean, that was a big question when they switch, you know, that's the thing too, when you switch and people come from different places, obviously Mac Brown has a history at Carolina. Um, and that sort of thing is a little bit easier to be like, Hey, I'm, you know, I used to coach here. I'm back. And we're about to, we're going to make this about North Carolina, North Carolina, where, you know, the university of North Carolina, you're our priority. Um, you know, the Virginia folks ran into, this is a you know coaching staff and families from out west, um, which is why keeping Marcus Hagens was such a smart move. Also, Marcus Hagens is a good coach and a great guy. Um, but can you win the Tidewater area? Can you get that seven five seven Virginia Beach? Oh, yeah, um, like that's such a big you know other school. Big schools will come in and, and recruit the Tidewater area, obviously. Um, and so that's that's so interesting to me. Like winning your state is such a big deal for some of these schools that have multiple institutions. Um, and that's the case for most schools. I don't know if it's as dramatic everywhere else. Um, but, you know, like Texas prides itself on that. And I saw some stats the other day, like when Texas was a top 25 team, like such and such percentage of the players came from Texas. And like the graph of showing like when they've fallen in the past couple of years, like how that correlates with having fewer and fewer Texas kids on the roster. Um so it's all very interesting. Recruiting to me is so fascinating, partly because like it's so big of a monster that I don't fully understand every aspect of it. Um, when coaches are in the off season and they're out recruiting, it's nuts, man. Like they're gone constantly. I don't know how they keep track of everything and everyone they meet. Cause you're trying to build actual legitimate relationships and you're still, you're meeting new faces, like so many new faces trying to keep everything straight battling with other coaches for like attention it's nuts man so I, yeah i think what he's done i just can't believe that's his third class i feel like mac just showed up um but yeah i think that i think what he's done and this is not to not like satterfield and that's the biggest thing like saying that max coach or recruiting is more impressive is really saying something because what satterfield's done in a short amount of time at louisville is undeniably impressive and i think well, i think i mean you gotta give them nod for second in the like as a team you trust in the Atlantic, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But here's what's crazy to me when you make the comparison though, is like 
I think you could make the case and not to downgrade what either one did, but like that just both of them showing any sort of minimal amount of effort made a big difference. That's you know? very true. <laughs> it's also sort of an indictment on their predecessors to a degree and not just Larry Fedora for Carolina. Like if you look, I mean, John Bunning's classes, I was going that, back that far in the database and I was like, good Lord, dude, <laughs> you know, it's just like in the 40, 49th one year, like just, you can't have that. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> maybe it does look way more impressive when you're starting at like <laughs> really, yeah. Any minimal effort gets you a better output. Like, well, and it, it, it stuck out too that like, you know, I mean, obviously Bobby Petrino didn't seemingly try and didn't care about his kids. And so like for Satterfield to show up and like care about the kids at all, again, that's like, that's he, that's not to say Satterfield's not a great coach because I think he is, and I thought yeah, it was absolutely. interesting too because like I was on the bandwagon of that Carolina should have hired Satterfield initially, yeah, because um, he has in-state connections here. He's still recruiting the state some, yeah, and like and he's young and he's a really good coach, and so I was on that bandwagon, yeah. But like I also understand, you know, I, it's it's just a weird dynamic to look at, right? Where it's like okay. Yes, what they've done is impressive, but also, man, is it just kind of an indictment on the guys that came before them that, like, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of crazy. They should go back and give Lamar Jackson a second Heisman. Oh, man. You know I would love that. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, he would care. Wow. He still had that season and got, like, no support from coaches. It was, yeah, that – Oof, man, yeah, that that whole looking back when you compare with Petrino and it literally was yeah. like, and again, we've already said this multiple times. Satterfield's a great coach, but you go in and just say like, "I care about you guys," <laughs> like, and that got them so much. That's impressive. And they're like, "Oh, hey, let's play for this guy then," as yeah. opposed to giving up seventy points or whatever they did. I don't think they ever gave up that many, but it felt like it. They might have. They were pretty bad on yeah. defense. They were pretty terrible all around under Bobby. I actually had a weird respect for them for that, that it was like, screw you. You don't care about us. So why should we care about you? Yeah. Like, and I totally get why that would make it so that they didn't, you know, um, they didn't try as hard. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question to think about. It made me think a lot because it made me really go digging and just be like, okay, what, you know, what was Carolina's recruiting situation? And they always call Carolina, you know, they've always called them like a sleeping giant or whatever, which people (laughs) have always kind of laughed at. But it's also like you look at it and go, you know what? You should be recruiting way better. Maybe Mm -hmm. not top five. That's kind of crazy. But it's not unreasonable to think that they should have a top 20 class every year. And that has not been the case. No, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um yeah, I, I mean, they got that class is going to be good. And that's the thing. And you're adding that class to, you know, I think a lot of Carolina fans are super on board with the like, can we play football, please? Because like that team should be very good. Um, you know, Sam Howell, I think, is one of the most exciting returning quarterback players. One of the I don't know, I just didn't add an S to quarterbacks, but, you know, <laughs> hey, it's <laughs> quarantine brain. Uh, I'm still my first cup of coffee. He's one of the most intriguing quarterbacks returning, just I think in college football, not just in the ACC or whatever. Like the For way sure. that he performed in his in his you know freshman season was unbelievable. Like I go back and think about it. Like you think about that Miami game, almost any game, you know, those, those late comebacks, just starting with the South Carolina game. 
and then going through like every week and do I want the Carolina fans to have that sort of like anxiety every week? No, <laughs> like that was a little much at times, I think, but just, he was so good. And I think he's got to be, um, I think it'll be more interesting in the coastal than I think maybe folks are giving it credit for, but, um, I just, you've got to be itching to get, I mean, this is the same way I think a lot of Virginia fans are with basketball. Like this team is supposed to be pretty good. I think everyone's itching to get basketball season back so that they can see these, like we, we got some good teams coming on in the ACC in the next few seasons of sports that I think, oh, and it would just be great to have sports back. Yeah, it would. And that I did want to, I, I joined your podcast because we did a draft of Tony Bennett era, Virginia players. Yep. This actually got my wheels turning too, because I kind of am thinking maybe I'll do something similar with like players from the last, however many years, whether it's like ACC or locally here or something like that, some kind yeah. of draft like that. Um, yeah, it works to have it be like, it's basically been a decade. Um, so it's an, it's a good number of players without it being like, you can't really do yeah. a coach K era draft because like, good Lord. No. <laughs> Oh my god! That's basically just a Duke basketball <laughs> draft or whatever you know. Like you can't do like a um, Roy Williams era Carolina draft. But um, by the way, I love Zion. But if you take Zion over Christian Leitner, I'm judging you in a Coach yeah. K player draft because of what they did in college. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the thing. Is like you got to look at their college performance. I think. Yeah, there's a, sure. there's a lot. Of, I mean, he's a yeah. There's a probably two or three people I'd take before Zion, but that not many because he was that good. But like, there's still like I don't know, I'm probably taking Grant Hill, maybe JJ. Well, we discussed this like a little bit on your podcast too when we were drafting. Is like you have to assume that the guys you're drafting are going to be performing at their peak collegiate level. Yes, and, and I wrote together it- in a rotation. Yes. And that's, that's tough. And I actually was excited when I had the second pick until I remembered it was a snake. And I was like, Oh no, because those back-to-backs are the the place to be, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah. And it was just tough because it was like, basically every time I picked, I knew that four picks were going to be made after me. So it was like, (laughs) or I picked again. Well, not necessarily, but you know, at least two were going to be Feels that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't four. I'm bad at math. Well, you. Um, I think you ended up with the, tell tell the people your team. Yeah. I think your team. Your, I I looked every time I look at these teams. So there are three of us for reference, and every anyone who played under Bennett was eligible. Um, so whether they played for one year or for five, um, or any current players are were also eligible. Um, but yeah, tell me your team. Tell me your team. All right. So. I Malcolm got picked first. Hey. Even though I, I thought that I thought Malcolm would go. I, I don't know why I thought Malcolm would go later. I didn't necessarily think I was kidding about you taking Jack Salt, yeah. but I I did think maybe you would take like Joe Harris. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna wait. I'll, I'll be fine with Malcolm. He'll he'll slide to me, but no, he did not. <laughs> and so I was like, I gotta have my versatile wingman that can get his own shot and is yep. like a game and is cerebral and can defend almost any position and if you can't get Malcolm at that I'm gonna get DeAndre Hunter so yeah. I got him um and then and like I didn't enti- I, I think I got London after that yes. because I felt like I had to get a point guard um London because was I, your second pick yeah well yeah because Pierce picked Ty Jerome right before me <laughs> yeah and that he went yeah he went Ty and Joe <laughs> both of which were high on my big board obviously and then I think I took Anthony Gill after that, but I might have taken Devin Hall. I think I took Anthony Gill next. Yes. Though. Okay. 
And the thing with Anthony Gill, and I didn't know this until I did, you asked me to like send you a blurb. And so I gave you a little deeper dive. Anthony Gill has two of the six best individual offensive rating numbers in Tony Bennett era history. He yeah. Two of the Dude top was six. a bucket. And, like, yeah. yeah. Like, and I, think I knew he's one he of the good. more underrated yeah. players that has come, like everyone rightfully will talk about the Brogdons, the DeAndre's, the London, you know, Ty's, Kyle. They mentioned Joe Harris, like, people talk about Mike Scott when they go way back but Anthony Gill was a guy that like I promise like, I can't promise I fully believe that so in that at Michigan State game that year 2014 in the Sweet 16 which was and Coach Bennett said this on that on that broadcasting that they did he said like oh was this this was the year that we played Michigan State at Madison Square Garden in the uh, Sweet 16 he said that was one of the most exciting games he's been a part of. It finished like 61-59, was a complete back and forth, just haymaker after haymaker. It was crazy. But he rolled his ankle in the like middle of the second half and didn't play much down the stretch because he was hurt. He couldn't like move his, move well. Um, and I think that was the difference maker in the game. That guy was so good. Um, he His yeah, defense he wasn't as good. He wasn't a, like a huge, he wasn't like an Isaiah Wilkins type, like, oh, keep that out of here. Like, we're going to slow you down incredibly. But his offense was so fantastic. Like, he was just so gifted getting the basket. Yeah, but that's why I got Darion Atkins. So. Exactly. <laughs> like, I got Darion to hold it down defensively. Yep. So, like, I've got my post scoring taken care of, and I've got my post defense, and yep. I've got my, my screener in the blocker mover offense. Yeah. And I've got two of the better three-point shooters, you know, in London and Devin, and even DeAndre is a pretty good shooter as well. And I've got Mike Toby um, yeah. on my bench, who I, he drove me, I mean, I'm sure Virginia people felt the same. He drove me a lot. Yes, like, yes. Because it would be like, why are you like this? Like, <laughs> I know state fans don't like him at all because for whatever reason, he would always play well against state. And they'd be like, why are you doing this? Like, you are... You had like two points in 10 minutes last week. Like why? <laughs> yes. Why did you do that? What did yeah. we do? And it was just, yeah, it never, there was never a, like a ton of rhyme or reason as to like when Mike would go off. But when he went off, you were like, oh, it's in there. Yeah. It's oh, when he was good. on, he was on and like nearly impossible. It's not nearly impossible, but he was, he was on fire when he got going. And yeah, I love your team. Cause like you said, you've got post scoring, you've got post defense, but also Devin Hall, and London are both extremely capable ball handlers. Um, yes. And, and even, I mean, even DeAndre, as Pierce pointed out to me. Yeah, like, can he-? yeah he can. He'll do it. <laughs> um, and you do. You have versatility on the wings. You can shift those guys around a little bit. Like if Gil comes out, you can slide Hunter down into the four um, and, you know, work with different looks there, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I really like that. De- that team defensively is, is – uh, pretty pretty good i think you have two of the better man like man defenders and devin and deandre Um, yeah i i feel good about like i i do feel good about it even though like i didn't get almost anyone i wanted going (laughs) well that's because i'm a jerk so i here's my i did uh so yeah i had the number one pick um got it i just think brogdon gives you a little bit of everything offense defense leader on the court um, and I went Mike Scott. I had back-to-back picks where I went Mike Scott, Kyle Guy. Um, got some shooting, get some post-offense. Um, Scott's a good defender. And we didn't get to see a ton of him under Tony Bennett. He had one season, but um, he's you know springing around the rim. And then I went Justin Anderson, um, Jay Huff, 
So I got a little, again, post-scoring, some post-defense, and then finish out with Kihei Clark. Um, so at least I could stay on brand a little bit. But I do think Kihei adds both good perimeter defense and versatility where you can slide Brogdon down. Um, you can have, you know, Brogdon receiving passes on the outside and hitting shots, knocking them down. Um, and, uh, you know, you've got some guys that can play. You know, Scott can play the four or the five if we go small. Um, but, yeah, I really... Honestly, every time I look at all three of these teams, I like keep picking like, oh, I do like that one because Pierce has ended up with Ty Jerome, Joe Harris, Akil Mitchell, Mamdi Diakite, Sylvan Landisberg, which is a deep cut for anyone listening that um, is not a Virginia fan. Um, That was another guy I was about to pick. Um, He was really good offensively, just didn't really mesh with um, the Virginia style, which is fine. That's not, you know, he can't, he committed to Dave Lato, which is definitely a different style of basketball. Um, and then Pierce finished out with Isaiah Wilkins. So he's got some defense on the inside. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun exercise. I think there's a lot of good players that have come through. I think we covered everybody, you know, they still left guys like Braxton key. Who's a national champion. I almost took, uh, Sam Hauser who's on the team now, but, um, yeah, I think it, some good teams. Yeah, it was it was it was a fun exercise. Like I said, it makes me want to do something similar of like ACC in the last five years or something like that, or maybe even like ACC players that are currently on rosters of like who you take them, who you got, um, and maybe like leaving out the freshmen too. I think that would be like an interesting exercise, like leaving out the incoming players and like of the returning guys who you got. That'd be fascinating to me. To yeah, see what who would go and. I would do it for football, but like, let's be real. We don't. Oh, it's so hard. We don't understand <laughs> offensive line play. We don't. No, not at all. <laughs> I would have to phone a friend for that. I um, would be fascinated to see like how many Clemson players would go. In this, you know, like, yeah. Before you're getting to other teams, it's probably not as many as people think. That doesn't mean Clemson's not like world's better than everybody else, but like, that's it's probably not as many as people think because there are yeah. still some really good players on other teams. Like I would, I would take Chaz Surratt relatively high. Yeah, I'd take and Sam you know, Howell. And, yeah, you know. Sam Howell high. I'd take Noah Taylor from the Virginia defense. Charles Snowden. Snowden if it was last sure, year, I would have yeah. taken like Joe Reed or Asus Dubois pretty early too. I think I thought they both were. Um, but yeah, that's a, and that's the thing too. Like you look at it, and I always like to look too sometimes about who's a player that you think would fit in someone else's team really well, especially for basketball. So you're kind of like, you know, who, um, I feel like we used to get a lot more of these type of columns of like, Hey, if you could take this guy, you know, like what, what team would benefit most from this guy? Like who would they trade each other for? That's a fascinating exercise to me. Like what need does this, does this team have too many big guys and they need a guard? Well, yeah. this team doesn't have any big guys. Like, why would they should trade X player for X player? You can't really do it, but it's a fascinating hypothetical. Oh, me. yeah. And, well, maybe if the transfer rules come in and John Rothstein's nightmare of ruining the APR comes true. Um, but I think there's also – there's always players that I love to see that, like, oh, man, I think that guy would go really great in the pack line. <laughs> Where it's just like, oh, man, they'd be – just a monster trying to you know slow people down but i've got a weird Who would you love to have in the pack i'm trying to think of ones in the last couple years that i thought were really uh um zion i mean let's be real yeah, honestly that kid's effort and that kid's size absolutely yeah if you give yeah. if he's there and he's learning that stuff over the summer i think they i mean you go just go to the 
example of swatting DeAndre Hunter's shot in that game. Ooh, like yeah. it, you can cover that much ground and, and his ability to block at the rim couldn't, you know, look, sometimes it's, it's tough for big guys. Cause you're, there's a lot of space to cover and a lot of rotations and you're, Oh man. Yes. Now I want to see this. Like, him recovering from a hard hedge to get back in there. You know how many like great, like if re- a recovery blocks he would have had to, Oh, that would be amazing. Um, I'm trying to think there was someone else that like really stood out to me a little while back, but now of course it's, I'll have to look into it. Cause I think there, there was someone for Syracuse that I thought would have looked really good in the, um, but anyway, okay. I digress. Yeah, that's. Um, I did want to touch a little bit on some of the NCAA stuff that happened this week, where they have okayed on-campus workouts, and they, I guess they did, they decided not to mess with the transfer waiver at this point. Yeah, I think they're but, waiting on that. Which is interesting to me because, like, I'm wondering what's going to happen if certain schools don't play. Yeah, and the other question. So I w- it was interesting. You know, they're saying that schools can have voluntary workouts starting what June 10th. I think it is. June 1st. June 1st. Um, But some places aren't, like, the NCAA doesn't supersede the state regulation. Yeah, the state regulation. So, like, that's not the case, you know, in Virginia. Like, they can't have players return yet. Um, And, you know, in some cases, they might not even, like, the university president could still say, no, I don't think it's safe enough. I'm not ready for it. And that would still, you know. So, it one, I think it's a good first step. I think there's a lot of situations in which they're like, you know, we don't want, they have a little bit more control over what the players are doing if they're back, like when it comes to working out and the safety of those workout locations than if they're at home going to a gold's gym or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's a good, I think a positive first step. They're making a bunch of, recently I've been surprised schools have made a couple announcements that I think sound really good actually when it comes to like, I think maybe the, 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 the canceling yeah. fall break. Yeah, I think that the more I think about yeah. it, the more I think that that is a smart play. Um, it does bring up questions for basketball. So, like, obviously, basketball continues currently over winter break without students there um, because school is right. technically still going. You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot. It's not canceled. Like, um, So I don't know if they would just then continue corralling all the basketball or winter sport athletes. Um but that's really my biggest question with that. Otherwise, I think it's probably a pretty good plan. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that'd be my guess. Competitive, it's, it's yeah, for them, yeah. The competitive advantage but. that some schools might get just by being in locations that are, you know, relaxing some of the regulations. It's not. It's it's real. Is it something to like get completely blundered about? Like. No, I don't. Th- well, maybe not. I was gonna say I don't think the schools are or the states are doing it to give their schools an advantage, but you know the SEC exists. So, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I was gonna say I was like, wouldn't put it past those guys. No, and it's, it's you know it's 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 interesting, and I mean I know Notre Dame was one of the first schools to yeah. do the schedule change, and it, it, the interesting thing to me is I think Jack Swarbrick came out recently, and if there's a scenario floating around that could be like conference games plus one in football. Yeah, and Jack Swarbrick was like, "Well, I guess we'd be the ACC schools plus one." So, and I was like, uh, "Jack, I don't think so," <laughs> because like I looked at the ACC schools they were playing, and three of them—Louisville, Georgia Tech, and Clemson—they uh, might have another game on their schedule that they'd probably rather play in the non-con than you. Yeah. Which is uh, for Clemson, I would guess it would be South Carolina and Georgia, Georgia Tech, yeah. and then Louisville, Kentucky. Like, sorry. Yeah, I just, 
I'm like, Jack, did you even look at your schedule or like, are you just assuming Swafford's going to insist? Because I, I can tell you that he will not. Have fun playing all the independents. <laughs> well, but like, do you think Navy plays this year? I don't. I don't know. I mean, unless you get like Army, Navy, Notre Dame. Um... I mean, I don't. Do you think that the academies play? I mean, you have a better perspective on this than I do. Um, that's a great question. I don't know. I, I would be surprised, honestly, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think if they're in that school, they would, I don't know. I don't know that it would necessarily be that different from any other college. Um, like, if, well, and if, I say this in part because I know there was like a breakout on a naval ship and whatever. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that like, I'm not suggesting that like this, it's the same thing just because they're both Navy. <laughs> but like at the same time, I do think that it seems like they're being pretty cautious as they should be yeah. with having guys in close quarters and maybe a little more cautious than the rest of us are being. Cause you know, those guys are a little bit more important than the rest of us. <laughs> they are definitely, I think in way closer quarters throughout their entire, like there's no like at Navy, you don't get to go live in an off campus apartment your second year <laughs> with teammates. Like, <laughs> You're still sharing like a two person dorm room your entire four years that you're there, I think. <laughs> so the core, yeah. like you're, you are like still, you know, like living in an apartment or having a little bit of control over, you know, like usually there's like a few, a handful of apartments that like the basketball team will live in on a campus or whatever, or football houses or something. You know what I mean? Like um, they don't have those. They're everybody's still in like, for as far as I know, at least I shouldn't fully, I didn't go there, so I'm not 100%, but. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Ugh, it's also weird. Yeah, it really is. And I just, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I can tell you, Jack, that maybe, you, should, you know, it's a weird thing that like, it's a pandemic that would make me say this, but it's like, well, if you just joined the ACC. Yeah. What if this is a thing that makes it happen? I don't think so. Because like, <laughs> you're not able to join in time, right? I don't think. Yeah. And like, if he's really so jaded's the wrong word, but if he's really, if that's where his thought process is, that he really thinks that like Clemson's going to not play South Carolina to go to South Bend, mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's a little insane. Yeah, but you it know. couldn't. I mean, look, if I think some Virginia fans are like, look, if we don't want to start the season until I have to check like the actual date, but I think out of the first three or four games, like Virginia's supposed to play Georgia in Atlanta and Clemson at Clemson. (laughs) um, I think some Virginia fans would be happy to not do that. Uh, So like, yeah, maybe we should just do, you know, the conference, you know, coastal play. We should just stick to that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't with that. I really, I I don't understand why ACC schools do things like that, but no one asked me. (laughs) Well, it could have been like, honestly, who knows? Like, I think the the UGA game, like, it's good. Like, as long as they're not – this is just unlucky timing with Virginia having to play Clemson as their Atlantic cross game, whatever. Because um, at least it's not, like, out of the non-con they're scheduling Oregon and, you know, South Southern Cal and UCLA. Like, so many of these schools, all in the, a couple of these in the same season, where it's just, like, poor Mike London. That's what, you know. That was just such bad scheduling that made everything so much more difficult. But every once in a while, like a game against Georgia, like I think it was the Chick- it's the Chick Fil A kickoff thing over Labor Day weekend. Like that's fun. That would have been fun. I mean, it could still happen, so I shouldn't say would have been. But um, even if you lose, like 
hopefully you show out all right, or maybe you catch them early in the season where they're not quite ready for you. I don't know. But (laughs) (laughs) Jamie Newman, right? Sure. Yeah. Jamie Newman, who I'm noticing that SEC people are now like, wow, he's great. And we're like, yeah, we know. We've been saying that. It's funny that the SEC makes fun of of the ACC constantly, whether it's basketball or, you know, Kentucky fans now have a Wake Forest star on their team and Georgia now has a Wake Forest star on their team. And I'm sure that they had plenty of praise for those two, those programs before they accepted transfers from them. Oh my God, poor Steve Forbes. He's still like doing the, not apology tour, but he's like, guys, I, he's like, I was not main, meaning to denigrate Kentucky. I was just saying like Wake Forest is one of the best schools in the country. Yeah. And Olivier like is an academic, well, he didn't say this, but I will. He made academic all ACC as a sophomore. Like he clearly takes school seriously. So yeah. like, that's all, he's like, that's all I was saying. He's like, it didn't have to be Kentucky. It could have been <laughs> almost, almost like, anybody else. <laughs> and he's also like, look, A, I have friends on that staff. Cause you know, he's the thing about Steve is he's been around, you know, he's been around this coaching game for a long, long time. So he knows a lot of people. And he's like, I have friends on that staff. A, so I would never like insult him, but he's like, B, the thing is like, Kentucky is going to talk about their ability to get guys to the NBA as a selling yeah. point. Yeah. And why Kentucky can't I? Yeah. Like this yeah. is a selling point for us. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't know that I needed, well, I didn't need it at all. Actually. I didn't know that a Kentucky wake forest beef could ever exist, but you know, only in these uncertain times. Kind of yeah. Now. Only in these uncertain times. That's right. <laughs> really? Um, it's, that's really the only time that it could exist. It's that's what this is wrought. So thank you, COVID nineteen for thank this. Thank you, Most random of beefs. It makes no sense. It's just it's wonderful. Ah man. Well, I think I mean I think that's pretty much all we've got. But I did I did enjoy that though this week of like Kentucky like SEC people discovering that Jamie Newman is good. And yeah. they're like, yeah, he's a different animal. And it's like, yeah, and also your coordinators probably aren't going to use him as well. So there's also that. <laughs> we have also watched Georgia football, so. Yep. Where the passing game goes to perish. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll get y'all out of here. Check out the podcast I did with Caroline for Streaking the Lawn. Um, I'm sure if you probably subscribe to me, my guess is there's crossover, but <laughs> maybe not for all of you. And we'll try to, I'll try to come up with some cool ideas we can do to keep busy because I know there's been like newsy stuff every week, but it's not been super, super busy. So, you know, we're all just gonna kind of roll with this until it's, until it's over. It's all we can really do. So maybe I'll do some drafts or some fun, silly stuff and fill the time that way. So all right, Caroline is hunkered down with her with her parents now, right? Yeah, yeah. Living nice. it up outside Williamsburg. Five dogs, four people. Oh my! You know that my husband, um, Eric. Well, you know Eric. Obviously, yes. I'm just saying this for the benefit of people listening who don't. He uh, bought a Bush Gardens pass, like literally yes. two Ugh. weeks before this hit. Ugh. I know. I'm just like sitting here knowing that, like any other time, I'd be dipping over there for like an evening roller coaster run because um, it's so close he's like Can we go to bush gardens i'm like no honey because of the virus yes oh virus. no <laughs> yeah it's a wild thing to me somebody tweeted this the other day but they were like we're gonna be telling our grandkids like you don't know hardship we had to stay indoors for 
like however long in isolation because of coronavirus y'all don't even know yeah and it's like yeah we are probably going to be doing that and my kid is probably going to grow up having some memory of this i would assume because it's been such a thing in his life for like three months now it's it's wild to me uh i just hope it doesn't you know it's just it just stinks to have it like a toddler is the worst to have during this because they don't understand social distancing so it's like yeah you can't touch this person why (laughs) no don't touch that no Uh, don't touch the playground no don't put that in your mouth (laughs) he comes home every day with dirt under his fingernails so (laughs) it's super fun and then insisting he doesn't need to wash his hands and i'm like yes you do because of the virus i don't know what we're gonna do when the virus goes away to make him wash his hands but we'll figure it out (laughs) all right (laughs) all right everybody until next week bye